This program is made possible by the friends and partners of Unspeakable Joy. Tonight I want to just give you a little thought on the Lions of Gad. The first, the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 12 and verse number 8 is where I'm going to read from one verse tonight. There is a little phrase in there that I want to kindly pull out and I want to kindly exhort and testify as the Holy Spirit would help me. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles chapter 12 and verse number 8, And of the Gadites there separated themselves unto David into the hole to the wilderness men of might and men of war fit for the battle that could handle shield and buckler whose faces were like the faces of lions and were as swift as the rose upon the mountains. The books of Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles, they serve and tell us about a very similar time in the nation of Israel. The books of Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles, if you were to line them up, they really start at the same place and they really end at the same place. But as you read each one of these books, you'll find that they come at it from a different perspective and from a different angle. The books of Samuel and Kings are really focused on the throne of the nation of Israel. You'll find that they tell a lot about the backstory of the different kings and the backstory of the different families. But whenever you come to the book of Chronicles, it's not so much interested in the throne of Israel. It's more interested in the temple of Israel. You'll see that he deals with the different kings only as it lines up with the, the temple and the worship there in Jerusalem. Now David has come into power and he's coming into authority and he's coming into influence and God raised up that man out of the sheepfold and he's showing who he's bringing by his side. He comes down to chapter number 12 and this is what he says about King David. He says, and God began to build his army and he says, one of the groups of people that come to King David is a group from the tribe of Gad. And he tells three things about those men that came from the tribes of Gad. He says, number one, the first thing you need to understand about him is that they could handle sword or shield and buckler. That word buckler, it was the word for a small dagger. Man, these men, they were able to handle two things at one time. They had a skill about them. They could, they could shield themselves with one side and then they could sword you or gut you or dagger you with the other side. Then it says the third thing about them is that they were as swift as the rose upon the mountaintop. Now you and I, it doesn't take much wisdom and much smart about you to figure out what it means whenever it says that they were as swift as the rose upon the mountaintops. Man, they were fast. They, they weren't bogged down. They weren't weighed down. They didn't have all the weights about them. They didn't have all the cares and the concerns. Everywhere they went, they just kind of hopped from place to place and from thing to thing, and they just went about it. Now, we understand that first one, the shield and the buckler. We understand that last one, the fact that they were as swift as the rose upon the mountain. It was that second one, though, that caught my attention. It said that their faces were like the faces of a lion. 
Now the first one deals with their skill. And the third one deals with their swiftness. What in the world was it about their face that so struck the writer of the book of Chronicles as it had to do with the worship in Jerusalem that he said, listen, I'm not really concerned about their hands of hammers and iron. I'm not concerned about their legs of steel and greatness. But it was something about their countenance. It was something about their face I just could not get past. He said their faces were like the faces of lions. There's a couple of things I want you to write down, and I'm going to get through them as fast as I possibly can. The first thing, whenever it says they had faces like the faces of lions, it had to do with their courage. He said, when I looked in their eyes, they knew that they had left their home and they had come down and they were ready to go and battle. They were not afraid of that battle. They were not worried about that battle. They were not upset about that battle. It was something in their eyeballs. They had fire in their eyes and they were not afraid. Let a giant come, they were standing up. Let the enemy come, they were standing up. Let the adversary rise up, they were standing up. Let the Philistines come, they were standing up. Let the Ammonites come, they were standing up. Let the Syrians come, they were standing up. I don't care if a 10-foot giant came, they were standing up. I don't care if every army from here to kingdom come came, they were standing up. You know why? Because they had courage and their face was as the face of a lion. Do you know what courage is? Courage is looking at something bigger than you as if it was smaller than you. It's looking at something in the eyeball saying I don't care how big you are, I don't care how bad you are, I don't care how tall you are, I don't care how wide you are, I don't care how you are. I don't care how overbearing you are. I'm bigger than you. I'm greater than you. And something inside of me says, I can handle whatever you throw at me. Honey, we live in a day where there's some big stuff that stands in our way. We've got adversaries that stand in our way. We've got enemies that stand in our way. We've got family that stand in our way. We've got religious people that stand in our way. We've got politicians that stand in our way. We've got fears that stand in our way. We've got anxieties that stand in our way. We've got past that stands in our way. We've got all of these thoughts that stand in our way. We've got financial insecurity that stands in our way. We've got political upheaval that stands in our way. We've got foes that stand in our way. But we're the people of God that wipe the fear off of their face and have got courage like a lion that's welled up inside of them and says, bring on the giants. I will not be afraid. Bring on the adversary. I will not be afraid. Bring on the demons and devils that rage against this nation. I will not be afraid. Bring on the politicians that, that tell us that we can't have it. It's going to happen because I am not afraid. There's a boldness and a courage that God is raising up on the inside of you and me. Brothers and sisters, the old timers, they didn't have what we don't have. They just knew what they possessed and it gave them an inner strength within them that said, 
said, I will not be afraid and I will not turn aside. I don't know how else to say this, but there's some old timers that have stood on these grounds and preached on these hallow halls and I would not pretend to say that Brother Winston and myself and some of these young guns that are coming across the way have as much talent as they had, had as much ability as they had, but we've got something that they had and it is the third person of the triune God that wells up inside our soul and that's why we can look the adversary in the face in 2023 and say we will not back down, we will not turn aside, we will march forward and be as bold as a lion and have courage in the day that we live in. Bold as a lion. It's got courage. Number two, it doesn't just have courage. Whenever it said their faces were like lions, it's referring to their calling. Whenever you would go to the camp of Israel, each camp had a flag that they would plant. Every flag had the name of the tribe and the tribal insignia on that flag. For instance, when you went to the tribe of Judah, there would have been a big lion's head on that flag. When you went to the tribe of Gad, the problem was on their flag, it was a tent. It was an abiding place. What's the problem? The problem is, do you know what the name Gad means? It means warrior or soldier. You see, what was put on them, that, that, that abide, that abode, that tent, it said, you need to sit still. But that inner call said, I wasn't born to sit still. I was born to fight the enemy. I wasn't born to sit down. I was born to stand up. I was not born to be a nothing. I was born to fight the adversary and the enemy that came into our land. I was not born to step back. I was born to stand up. Child of the living God, I don't know any other way to put this inside of you than to say it. You were not born to sit down in this spiritual race. You were not born to back down in this spiritual race. There are men and women in this room right now and there is an inner calling in your life and what you have been labeled as is not what God has called you to do. There are young men in this room right now and you are stepping back and something inside of you says, I need to make a living. I've got to have a life. I've got to do this and I've got to do that. But inside of you, there is a burning fire that rages within you that says, I was born and created for something else. And their face was like the face of a lion. The third thing about that face of a lion, it had to do with their conformity. Conformity. What was it about that, that, that lion? When Moses died in the book of Deuteronomy 32, he looked at the tribes and he blessed each tribe. But when he came to the tribe of Gad, this is what he said. He said, as Gad enlarges herself as a lion. But yet, who was labeled as the lion? Judah. You know what Gad said? Gad said, I was destined by somebody that came before me to be what I am not right now. 
But if I'll leave the place where I'm at and I'll begin the journey to where my calling is, I will begin to change what I was and I will become what I was destined to be. Long before the foundation of the earth was ever laid down, God saw you, God saw your life, God saw your family, God saw your children, God saw your everything, and he said, I've got a plan for your life, I've got a destiny for your life, I've got something that I want you to do, and right now, there is something inside of you that's not lining up with that but day by day the Holy Ghost he peels away what's not supposed to be there and peels away the fear and peels away the doubt and peels away the anxiety and peels away what the world's put there and peels away what the friends have put there and peels away everything that's not supposed to be there and you'll end up exactly where you're supposed to end up I don't know about anybody else but does anybody else wake up and a fear that you're not becoming what you were born to be. I don't know any old, I'm not a theologian. I don't understand isms. I don't know anything about schisms. All I know is that there is something inside of me that I feel is connected to something higher than me, like the negative end that's being drawn to a positive charge like that negative side of that magnet and there's something in another world that is pulling me and as the world pulls me back there's something drawing me this way and as my friends pull me back there is something drawing me that way and as my fear pulls me back there is something drawing me that way do you know what that is that's the sweet holy ghost on the inside of your soul that's saying you were made for something higher you were made for something greater. You were made for something bigger. And I'm going to change you. And I'm going to conform you. And I'm going to fulfill in you what I made you to be. Their face was like the face of a lion. But the fourth thing about that face of a lion, it has to do with their concentration. You ever seen a lion? One time I did at the North Carolina Zoo in Ashboro, North Carolina. Who in the world thought it was a good idea to put a world-renowned zoo in Ashboro, North Carolina? You look at those lines and they're behind this glass. Lines are no problem until they lock their eyes on you. If a lion ever locks its eyes on you, you better pray that that glass wasn't built by the lowest bidder. I mean, you can dance, you can jive, you can try to sidestep, and that line is going to have his eyes locked on you. I mean, somebody else over here can say something, and he's going to keep his eyes on you. Somebody else can throw something in the pen, and he's got his eyes locked on you. You know what it was about them Gadites? Those Gadites, they were on the other side of the river, and their people were concerned about their flocks, and their people were concerned about their tents, and their people were concerned about their pocketbooks 
books, but there was 11 boys that said, this is not what I was meant to be, and I've got my eyes on the prize. I will not be dissuaded by money. I will not be turned aside by influence. I will not turn this way because of what somebody's done. And in this world, the devil's throwing this trinket and the devil's throwing that trinket. But where are the people of God that say my eyes are locked on the prize and I'm not turning to the left hand and I'm not turning to the right hand and I'm not going backwards. I'm pressing forward for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I don't care who comes my way. I'm going to be locked on. I don't care what they say about me. I'm going to be locked on. I don't care what they try to throw at me. I'm going to be locked on. Preacher, the devil try to discourage you and tell you you're not making a difference, but you lock your eyes on the prize. Those people will say, you're not going to help anybody. You lock your eyes on what God's called you to do. Deacon, they'll say your prayers aren't making a difference. You lock your eyes on what God's called you to be. Mama, the devil will tell you those kids are going to die and go to hell, but you lock your eyes on the fact that whatsoever we shall ask in prayer, believing we shall receive as bold as a lion, as courageous as a lion, but honey, as concentrated as a lion. Preacher, don't worry about what they pay you. Don't worry about where they take you. Don't worry about what they say about you. Don't worry about what your friends think. Don't worry about what the people think. You lock in on that thought. Lock in on that calling and have your face set like a lion. Like a lion. I was coming down through Sevierville today, coming home, or coming here to, to Asheville, and, and I was pulling out on one of them back roads, and I saw a camper, and it had to be owned by a redneck. <laughs> because on the back of the camper, they had painted a lion's head. And it was the profile view of that line. And I stopped at the intersection and I looked and I was admiring the artwork of that redneck who painted that thing on the back of that camper. And you know, I looked at that thing and you've ever looked at a picture and you move like that and it watches you. Your grandma's picture in your house, you know, she just looks at you everywhere you go, you try to duck around. I looked at that line and I did that same thing. I was in my car and I tried to do a little of this. I tried to turn a little of that. A line in that portrait had his eyes set. Who in this room right now, watching online right now, the devil's tried to flicker you out with all the trinkets of this life and you are so close to being dissuaded and so close to being distracted. Tonight might be a good night to say, Lord, forgive me for turning aside. Forgive me for even wavering and going that way. And God, lock my eyes back on what you've asked me and called me to do. Let me ask you a question. That's good for the Gadites. What about 2,023 people? What about normal people? What, what about people that never knew King David? What about people that have not been able to see the glories of heaven? What about average people? Can God really make you to have a spiritual face like a lion where you will not be afraid? And even though that thing is bigger than you, you'll look at it in the eyes and say, I'm going to treat you as if I'm already bigger than you because the God within me, how can you do that? You're going to have to do that in spite of several different things. Let me give them to you. And I mean, I'm going to load them up and blow 
blow them out so fast, I'm going to be eating whatever they're cooking in the next six and one half minutes. You write these down fast. Number one, how am I going to do it? You're going to have to do it in spite of your past issues, in spite of any mess-ups you've had in your yesteryear. You say, where do you get that? Well, the first time in the history of Israel when they come into the promised land that we see the Gadites is back in the book of 1 Samuel. And there is a man that rises up. This is before David. And right when we're introduced to Saul, there is a man whose name is Nahash the Ammonite. And Nahash the Ammonite stands up and he surrounds the city of Jabesh Gilead. And he issues a challenge. He says, is there anybody in the house, anybody in the walls that's big enough to fight me? If you all lose and won't fight me, give me your right eye. They said, will you give us seven days to find somebody? And that's when they go and get Saul. And Saul of Benjamin has to destroy them. And the Gadites, can you imagine how, how, how just absolutely dejected and destroyed they felt when they didn't have enough energy to fight the adversary themselves and Saul had to come deliver them and Saul had to win the battle and Saul had to defeat all that? I imagine for the next several years, you know what they thought? They thought if I ever get another chance, I'm going to stand up. If I ever get another chance, I'm not going to be afraid. And finally, the day came. Day David sent out an all-call bulletin and he said, whoever wants to come into my army and fight against the adversary of the Philistines, let them come. And there was a group from the tribe of Gad and they said, God, this is my chance. I may have messed up back there. I may not have had boldness back there. I may have fallen way back there. I may have been destroyed way back there. But now is my time. Honey, all of us have got yesterdays. All of us have got things back yonder that we wish that we could forget and the devil would forget and our friends Friends and family would forget, but yesterday's gone and ain't a thing we can do about it. But we're the people of God that say, Lord, I may have messed up my yesterday, but by the grace and help and power of God, I'm going to serve you today. I don't care what I dealt with yesterday. My past is past. Today, I will serve the Lord. Can I ask you a question? If God's already forgotten what you used to be, why are you still stopping because you can't forget about it? It's gone. It's out of here. Move on. If you're going to have a face like a face of a lion, you're going to have to get, let go of those past issues. Number two, you're going to have to let go of the perilous conditions. After verse number 8, verse number, verse number 8, verse number 9, down through verse number 13, here's what the Bible tells us, that there's only 11 men that come from the tribe of Gad. Only 11. What has Pastor Ralph always taught us? 11 in the Bible is the number of chaos and confusion. Can you imagine when they invited everybody to come and only 11 stood up? You know what they probably thought? What a mess. We can't go with all this chaos to the armies. And they all stood up and they said, we've got to go back. It's too messed up right now. It's too broken. It's too messed up. We can't go. And 11 of them said this, I don't care how messed up it is. Our king has called for us. And we're going, I don't care how messed up it is. 
our churches are messed up. Our people are messed up. Our, our families are getting messed up. Our thoughts are getting messed up. Our ideas are getting messed up. Our states getting messed up. Our nations getting messed up. Our world is getting messed up. And if we're not careful, we'll sit back and step back and we'll say, you know what? It's too messed up. It's too broken. Nothing can happen. But these men said, no, 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 no. I don't care how messed up it is. I don't care how broken down it is. I don't care how dejected it is. I'm standing up because my king is calling for it and I'm going to be as bold as a lion. Can I give you this third one? And I hope this will help somebody. And I'm, I'm done. I mean this. I mean it. I'm done. In fact, I'm going to close my Bible. You're going to know I'm done. The third thing you're going to have to get over, it's not just your past issues. It's not just your perilous condition. But number three, you're going to have to get over your personal issue. Do you know what 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse number 2 said about the people that came to David in the cave? It said the only ones that came to him were those that were in distress, in debt, and were discouraged. If you're fighting a battle, do you want the ones afraid, in debt, and dejected coming to you? I don't. Give me that crowd got money. Give me that crowd that ain't never been afraid. And give me that crowd that knows that they can conquer whatever comes their way. But are there any other people in the room that find the only people that want to get on your team are the messed up people? Am I right about it? The only people that want to come pray are the messed up people. The only people that will come to church on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights are the messed up people. I can't tell you how many times I leave church and I think, Lord, if that's the best you got, you may want to go ahead and blow the trumpet. It's time to go home. And then a lot of times I get done preaching and I think, Lord, if that's the best I've got, you may want to go ahead and blow the trumpet. You know what happens in the very next chapter? David goes to war with the Philistines. And the first time in the history of that young nation of Israel, you know what the Bible says? And they possessed all the lands of the Philistines. What Saul could not do with his beautiful army, David did it with a ragtag bunch. I wish I could find me a few people that knew a thing or two about a thing or two. But you know who God, Terry, keeps sending our way? People that don't really know what they're doing. People that don't really have a whole lot. People that don't really feel like they can accomplish a whole lot. But do you know what God does and the reason God likes to use preachers like that and Christians like that and singers like that and churches like that? Because if he got a bunch of rich people and a whole bunch of people that had a lot of smarts and a lot of wisdom about them, when something good happens, you know what they would say? They'd say, man, what a great church. No wonder they could accomplish so much. And they would give the glory to man. But when a ragtag preacher 
preacher stands up in a ragtag church and it's just a ragtag army and a Holy Ghost service breaks out and the Spirit of God moves and people come a flooding down that aisle and they kneel on an altar. You know what they'll say? They'll say it couldn't have been the preacher. It couldn't have been the singer. It couldn't have been the musicians. They had to be somebody that was far bigger than them that showed up that day and all because they knew who they were serving. So here is the message. Why is your face so downcast? May God raise up lions like Gad.